Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are Irenacast, a group of folks leaning into our progressive Christian imagination. I'm Jeff. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. And this is Rajiv. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we provoke conversation for shifting perspectives on theology and culture. Thank you for joining us for episode 200. Uh, Just want to start by thanking everyone who sent in your questions, your comments, everything for the show this week. We really appreciate it. And it has been quite heartening for all of us to hear uh, some of your questions and just the kind things that you said about the show. So we are going to be super indulgent this week, and we are going to highlight you listeners. We're going to highlight Irenacast. We're just going to have a good time going through some of these comments, questions, and the like. So uh, thank you once again. And then we'll finish up with just kind of an update on where we're going, what we're doing, and how things are going to uh, unfold over the next who knows how long. <laughs> so um, yeah, 200. I'm very excited about this. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Started, we went from weekly to bi-weekly. We started at 2015. So this is seven years, 200 wow. episodes. Wow. Yeah. Crazy how everything's changed. I mean, it's really a tribute to you've, you, Jeff. You've been the one voice <laughs> For sure. on every episode. Right, yeah. last man standing. <laughs> yes. yes. So let's just get into this. If you're finding us for the first time, maybe this isn't the episode you want to start with. But for those of you that have been listening for a long time, we're just going to celebrate the show. We're going to get into these questions. We're going to answer them. And we're going to start out with a long time listener. I'm pretty sure since the beginning. And we're going to we're going to start internationally. And we're going to uh, listen to uh, an audio question from a listener, Catherine from New Zealand. Hello, Irenicast people. It's Catherine here from New Zealand. Long time listener. One of my questions for you is that I think it's very brave of you. Thank you for all your work. And I do think it's very brave of you to think out loud on all sorts of interesting topics that you probably change your minds on quite a bit. And I was just wondering if there are any things that you particularly would change uh, if you were going to do them again or any episodes that you would kind of like to run away and hide from because that's I mean the world doesn't really need a podcast from me but one reason why I'm not keen on doing one is that I'd yeah be too embarrassed to hear to think of all my old thoughts out there in the world uh so thanks again for everything you do and um yeah, I really appreciate your work. Thanks. Thank you, Catherine. That is a good question. I know for me, uh, when I'm editing the episodes, that's the last time I almost ever listened to the episode. I'd never gone back and listened to any episode in particular. But if I'm just recalling memory, I think when we started this show, like I said at the top, it was in 2015. And I was just five years out of a pastoral staff in evangelicalism. So I know that there's a lot of stuff in some of those early episodes that if I listen to now, I would probably be like, Oh, I'm not so sure uh, about that these days. Uh, but that's kind of the benefit of <laughs> kind of having a new cast is that we can go back and, uh, you know, re- you know, revisit some of those topics and also just the medium of a podcast, knowing that, you know, from the beginning, very purposeful about being 
an ongoing conversation, you know, join the conversation, being very particular and knowing that in the course of a conversation, our minds can change. We can shift perspective because a conversation denotes community and you're, you're in connection with others and allowing that to shape us. But, uh, but Catherine, I'm with you. Uh, it scares me to think what people are going to hear me saying, uh, years from now, if, if, you know, someone discovers this <laughs> podcast and listens to some of our early episodes, I don't know. What do you all think? You're a little bit, a little bit, uh, newer to the, to the cast. I mean, I think, yeah, absolutely. Sometimes in the same episode, I change my mind as I listen to my fellow co-hosts explain their ideas and thoughts. Uh, it, You know, it is quite something to have more than five years of, of kind of like a record of an evolution of thought. And, you know, even the podcast itself is reformed several different times with different co-hosts, but also I think in different, you know, we, we were headed one direction or doing a lot of processing to begin with. And then we started having more of a, a maybe a clearer aim. We're going to be progressive Christian, whatever that means. Being afraid of change is what we've all been programmed to be. <laughs> and so I think that this is maybe our, our attempt at like leaning into that fear a little bit. Yeah, I really appreciate the the thoughts and the sensitivity, Catherine. It is it is a little odd to put your thoughts out there and um, actually have people listen to it and respond, which we're grateful for and grateful to you for being a longtime listener. Uh, but for me, I think my I guess motivation, and I I I I I don't accept the the notion of brave for myself. I think the others maybe deserve it. Um, but it's just like these conversations are happening. They're, they're happening all over the place. And one of the, the real dangers of the, the settings that we come from is we can get punished for having these conversations. You know, my goal is to just put it out there because we have these thoughts you know, we we share them with trusted friends, and I think it's time to open open up the conversation and and be in conversation as an entire community because without it, we're just operating out of fear and suspicion. Yeah, I, I hear you, Rashiv. I feel like um, there are a lot of times when I say things, and that first response is like, "Oh my God, who is listening to this? You know, who's on the other end of this?" Um, but I think that a part of being in relationship with people you love is the courage to tell the truth, right? That no matter who hears, uh, this is your truth, and there are people who can hold that space for you that give you the courage to to find your own voice and your own language around some of these things. That's what community, healthy, thriving community should look like. I mean, I, I re- like Bonnie said, I regret all sorts of things, uh, even after I say them. Uh, most of the jokes that I say, I'm like, oh, did you really say that? Record it. I, d- I don't think there's anything that I'm super embarrassed of or anything that I'd really change my mind about. I think the only thing I wish for myself I would have done better is knowing the terms that Sila brought to us, uh, because <laughs> I thought I was so hip. And then come to find out it was Jeff who knew everything, but I think he cheated. So. Oh, gee. That's right. Oh man, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dopest. Yeah, yeah something. <laughs> the dopest. dopest. If you, no. you flex the most. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. We're showing our age. It's great. <laughs> Thanks for sitting at the nerd table. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Catherine, for that question. And uh, we really appreciate you listening to the show. And we're going to we're gonna stay in New Zealand for this next one. Yes. So we got uh, another mm. message. That we're going to read this one. We got a message uh, from from Angela in New Zealand. So who's who's reading this one? Is it? Uh Hello from New Zealand. I'm writing in response to the last podcast, but also for the Iona cast as a whole. Thank you, especially to Bonnie, sharing her progression from burning all Bibles to learning to get value out of them. I'm still very much in the burning phase, and it is scary. I'm a 50-year-old woman who has been raised in the church, raised her children in the church, worked in the church, and has children who work in the church. I was all in. Three years ago, it all started to come apart at the seams. Hypocrisy. Misogyny. The using of people. The blatant manipulation of people's emotions, and I just couldn't stomach it any longer. I had never heard the term progressive Christian, and then I found your podcast. My mind has been blown on multiple occasions. It's exciting and terrifying. I have so many questions, but I'm too afraid to go to an external source for their answers. I do not want to be tied to any church at this stage, if ever. So I really appreciate your critical analysis on a variety of topics balanced with your open, honest heart sharing. Thank you. What are you doing? What you are doing is a huge help to me. If you ever come to New Zealand, the kettle is always on, and there is something uh, in the biscuit tin. Well, Thank Casey you and so I are much. planning a trip already. Exactly. We'd love to come see you, Angela. That's right. We're going to come. Catherine. And Catherine. Yeah. We're on our way. <laughs> <laughs> if there's tea and biscuits. Yeah. Bonnie, I would love to hear you start. Well, I, I just I just want to say I hear you, Angela. And I, you know, as you were describing the terror, we used words like scary and terrifying and burning and and I feel that with you. It is terrifying to have one's worldview unravel and then, you know, not really knowing what's next, what's down the path, but knowing that a lot of what you counted on or were taught to count on is in the rear view mirror and there's no going back to it. I just want to say, Freedom, you're on that journey to freedom and we are with you. And I honor you in that journey and um, think of you and your family as you continue onward. Whenever I hear stories like this from our listeners, I always have that. I feel that feeling again, that deep sorrow, that anxiety, the anger, right? I, I agree with Bonnie that I'm with you. I'm with you, Angela. We're with you. And to just keep going. I mean, how many times have we said on the podcast over however many episodes we've been on, like, just keep going, trust yourself, trust what is true in you, you know, especially as uh, at the start of the journey, who do you trust? Because everybody that you were told to trust is now irrelevant or, or like unreliable. Right. And so, I mean, that's what, that's what God gives us spirit for, to mm -hmm. trust ourselves. Yeah, and, and Spirit's voice is in those questions Yes, that yeah. everybody's told you to not pay any attention to. You'll find, I at least in my experience, I found Spirit's voice and my own voice to be in those questions. And probably to be the same voice. Mm-hmm.
I mean, it's all beautifully said. And I think, you know, Angela, we just appreciate you sharing your story with us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling for us to, to be there for you, even if it's just a voice over, you know, a cell phone or however you're listening and, and being, um, helpful in your journey. And we're just, uh, we're thankful for that. And Angela, I, you know, you don't need a church. You don't need a religion to be a good, moral, decent person. You have it within you. And, you know, the discerning process kind of coming to a an internal grounding is, is really the work, maybe, that all of us are most deeply called to do. But also being alone in this life is really hard. So as you develop your own sense of, you know, how you want to orient yourself to the world, and then be in relationship with those who support you in that and are willing to journey with you and not trying to control it. So church, religion isn't necessary, but I, I do think community to some degree or another is important as you move along. All right. Well, thank you again, Angela. We recently had a new Apple podcast review. I don't have the name because, you know, podcast, the Apple podcast doesn't give us that, but uh, to if you're listening, uh, and I hope you are, uh, someone on uh, Apple Podcast Review read, I learned so much from this podcast. I've been a listener since the beginning and never miss an episode. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Um, you have helped guide me through my personal deconstruction, through my personal deconstruction of my upbringing. It's so good to know I'm not alone going through so many of the issues you discussed. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, well, thank you uh, for the review. That you know that always helps us kind of let, let people know that. You know, people are are listening to our show, and uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff that mm-hmm. we're so appreciative of hearing. Yeah, thank you, anonymous Apple. <laughs> anonymous <laughs> Greatly Apple. appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go to our second audio question, and this one is from Leah in Dayton, Ohio. Hi, my name is Leah and I'm from Dayton, Ohio. I just want to start by saying thank you so much for creating this podcast and a safe space for so many of us. I was recently involved in the intersections group and I took so much away from it. I couldn't have imagined how much this podcast would help me grow in my own faith journey when I first started listening to it. So again, thank you. Um, And here's what I'd love to hear your thoughts on. A common church phrase I grew up hearing was Jesus plus nothing, um, especially when it comes to life after death and also finding wholeness in life. Um, But since so much of the world's population now and historically has never even heard the name Jesus or were never introduced to Christianity, it's very hard for me now to hold on to this belief that claiming Jesus is your Lord and Savior is the only thing to stop someone from spending the rest of their eternity damned to hell, whatever that even looks like. Also, what's really hard for me, being a recovering conservative evangelical Christian is the fear that was instilled in me around exploration and questioning these basic tenets of Christianity. So my question is, is it possible to still be a Christian and not believe that, quote, giving your life to Jesus is required to avoid an eternity of hell? What still connects us to Christianity if not this belief that salvation through Jesus is the only way to be a Christian? 
And how did you all reconcile that part of your journey in deconstructing your faith um, and the pressure that we have to to know these things for sure without questioning or um, without having doubt? Um, Okay, that was a lot of questions, but thank you so much for just taking the time to listen. And I hope I get to hear your all's responses. Much love and thank you. Hey, Leah, it's really good to hear your voice. And thank you for the the thoughtful, thoughtful questions and affirmation of of what we're trying to do at Arenacast. Um, I I just want to jump right to the whole "can you be a Christian" thing. And what you described is kind of what I am, and I am a Christian and a minister. So, if you can't be a Christian and not necessarily believe in sort of the the blood atonement sacrifice as the only way to salvation, then I guess I'm in trouble. But it it took a while for me to get to that point, and what does tie me to the Christian faith uh, is partly, frankly, it's familiarity. I have a lifetime of learning in the Christian tradition. I have a, a working biblical knowledge, which is very helpful but ultimately it's it's the life teachings and example of Jesus not the virgin birth not the death but the life teachings and example i i think it can be very effectively argued that Jesus one of was one of the first humanist teachers uh, to hit the global stage uh, whether you approach that it with a spiritual layer or a secular layer there's a lot that Jesus offers and I'm proud to call myself a Christian. I'm also proud to say there are some of the old conservative fundamentalist ideas that I no longer hold true. Yeah, I mean, sort of along the same lines of Rajiv, I think realizing and learning that the path of Christianity I was presented in evangelicalism was... Uh, I don't know, akin to like the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain where you were, you were told like it's this way and realizing over time that that path is much broader and also realizing that a lot of evangelical theology that we grew up with is really new and very American in a lot of ways. Right. And realizing that, well, I can't call myself evangelical, but I can call myself Christian because there's all these traditions within Christianity. You know, there's the the mystic tradition and there's, you know, all of these things that I think align with kind of where our progressive ideas took us and realizing that there is place for that. And there has been place for that within the Christian tradition was eye-opening for me. And it wasn't also, it wasn't so much the ideas either. It was like that heart thing. Cause I, I'll be honest, there's still some days where I'm like, Am I going to hell? <laughs> like, yeah. like, you know, it still creeps in sometimes, like in the heart or the spirit or whatever you want to call like, it. Am I in hell? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Is this the, is this the punishment <laughs> I deserve or whatever? Uh, so I think that, that that's hard to undo because it's so in our bodies too, as well mm-hmm. as our minds. So yeah, I think I, I can't reconcile it in evangelical theology, which is why I'm not an evangelical anymore, but recognizing that there are other theologies that I can rest in and knowing I don't have to stay there. Like I have, I have a lot of movement and freedom within the Christian tradition to uh, explore 
I think that's kind of where, where I've landed over the years. And I know, you know, specifically in the show notes, we'll put some of episodes we've done in the past, one specifically around atonement theology that I think might be helpful to kind of unpack a little bit of this journey that we're talking about, but also kind of give you some different directions. So I'll, I'll put some of those episodes together in the show notes uh, at renacast.com slash 200 mm-hmm. uh, if you're interested. And one another episode that might be worth mentioning here, Leah, and thank you so much for your question and your comments, would be one that Debbie Glander, and I think Debbie Glander and I were in conversation around high control religious environments. I think Debbie used the word cults, which, you know, by definition of what a cult is, all of us have probably experienced some form of thought control. Um, that is very much like cult uh, level. And that's where that fear comes from that's so deep in us is that, you know, we were told again and again and again that as soon as you start thinking for yourself, you're on a dangerous path. Um, and that's a very high control environment. I, I feel that. And I, and I also want to say when it comes to those doubts, that I think doubt is just an essential part of the spiritual journey. I would question anyone's authenticity on a, a spiritual journey if they're not able to name and claim doubts, many doubts. And I think that's what keeps us actually on a path is those, you know, doubt consistently accompanies us on that journey. So, there's so many things to unpack in your question, but I think I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah, uh, thank you so much uh, for that question, Leah. I when when I first initially heard your question, I started to think about you know you had said like all the people who have not heard of Jesus, who have not received Jesus, and I I remember I just hear very vividly in my brain the ministers in my life who were saying that we are to go into all the world and baptize and you know lead the sinner's prayer with people who, and I'm beginning to think about like how many people who did hear the name of Jesus or who currently hear the name of Jesus and are so turned off by what they receive, what they see, what they hear. And all of the people who, throughout history, who have been colonized and murdered and killed for the same, for the same message of Jesus. And that is such a, I mean, I'm responding pretty viscerally to this because I'm thinking about, like, many of those people experience hell because of what Christianity brought them. People experienced hell right now in this, in the, on this planet, in this time, because of the message that is being spread to them about who Jesus supposedly is. And so, for me, I I come to this with saying, um, as a as a minister, like Rajiv was saying, as a minister, as a pastor, as a Christian who does not believe in atonement theory, who does not believe in hell, I respond I respond pretty viscerally to this because of the young people I especially work with who live every day in hell because of the Christianity that they're handed. For me, I set those things aside, and I trust that there is other ways. And that's the joy of this podcast. That's been the joy of this friendship, is being in relationship with people who, um, when I come with a question of like, so I'm not into hell, I don't believe in it. And then everyone at the table is like, oh, me neither, or whatever. You know, That's where, at least for me, heaven resides is in the safety of these relationships that give us the ability to talk about a Christianity that is not rooted in blood, that is not rooted in power and control and narcissism, um, but is rooted in liberation and curiosity and doubt. 
because I think that is the way. Narrow is the way. Um, And those that choose to find it are few. And it's rooted in the mystery of Christianity, not in the power and might of Christianity. This is why I love this show and all (laughs) y'all because of answers like that. And I think, you know, Leah, not, you know, and this goes for everyone and all the questions that we receive and all of you that are listening, you know, we're really taking into account these questions and these comments. And we know that we're giving briefer than usual answers in, in comparison to, you know, a proper quote unquote episode. Uh, but we are taking these two account as we're kind of planning our upcoming episodes and, and what we're working on next. So, Please know that these questions are, are sitting with us. You know, these are maybe our, our gut reaction, our initial heart responses, but we, you know, we are still putting thought and, um, you know, hopefully crafting ways that we can communicate these on a larger scale. So thank you everyone for all these questions and Leah, especially yours. That's a, uh, I know that's one that we've all sat with at, at one time or another in our life. Uh, you know, as you can tell from the answers that we gave. Uh, so we have another listener email from uh, Ruth. I think, Rajiv, you're going to re- read this one for us. Yeah. Thanks, Ruth. Hello, hosts. I wanted to emerge from my position as a podcast lurker and send a congratulations, a thank you, and a question for Bonnie and Rajiv. Uh-oh. First of all, I've been a listener since late 2019, and I cannot express what a safe haven this podcast was to me in the midst of my crisis of faith deconstruction reconstruction. I have been so grateful to hear my experiences and frustrations mirrored and have found so much grace and hope in the perspectives and musings of the show. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Thank you for every single one. Casey, as a queer person who came out only six years ago at 27, I value your voice as a queer minister who points to a full spectrum sacred beyond the borders of the binary. My queerness was a gift that ignited my exodus from fundamentalism, and I cannot examine my deconstruction or present understanding of the divine without acknowledging that prismatic lens. I am currently in pursuit of an undergrad in psychology with an intent to pursue some form of theology or seminary or research afterwards in grad school. I know my work lies at the intersection of spiritual trauma, the sacred, and the queer community, and I am deeply grateful for people like you who show me some of what that can look like. Bonnie and Rajiv, recovering SDA fundamentalist here, I cannot express the gratitude and relief I felt in hearing you both reflect on your experiences growing up SDA. Deconstruction from mainstream evangelicalism is lonely enough without the added nuance of Adventism on top of the journey. Leaving fundamentalism is frightening, and leaving Adventism, which claims a unique grasp of truth and our current time in history, caused additional consternation. Knowing that you left the truth, quote, the truth, to follow the progressive call of the deep that calls to deep felt like a hand in the dark and felt and I felt so much less alone. Bonnie, as a woman, I enormously value the example of your leadership and insight and the ways you expand my vision of what is possible. Irenicast has opened the borders of what I thought was possible to find within Christianity itself. And while I do not hold any allegiance to the label Christian, it has been such a relief to find that I can adopt new practice and theology while holding on to the inherited language of this faith. 
I would love to know, Bonnie and Rajiv, are there any aspects of Adventism that you still find valuable? I default to a, quote, burn it all to the ground and walk away mentality in most areas of my faith practice of origin. But as much of my family is still deeply Adventist, I'm feeling challenged to be willing to hold space for elements of value. Thank you, Jeff, Casey, Bonnie, and Rajiv, and Alan, for your spiritual companionship in an ever-expanding universe. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Ruth. Yeah, thank you so much, Ruth, for that um, email and just your beautiful words. As I was reading, I was just marveling at how your gift at expressing your your journey. Well, you know, the fellow Adventists out there, there's like a special language that we have, right? That others just don't understand. I know there have been times when Rajiv and I have said something and Casey and Jeff look at us like, what is that all about? Starting with haystacks, haystacks. and fake coffee. <laughs> haystacks. It, oh, by the way, haystacks is the thing that I miss the most. <laughs> um, And in terms of value and Adventism and ways to connect across that chasm, which, you know, we are doing that as well. And when you have one foot on one side and another foot on the other side, there are times when you feel like you're doing the splits and it takes all you can do to just keep keep that connection going because it's so hard. But, you know, for one thing, the Sabbath. You know, I used to hate everything about this idea of a weekly Sabbath because it felt so legalistic. Like, you know, you can go swimming, but you, you can't go swimming, but you can put your feet in the water up to your ankles. You can, like I right. said, these are one of those things. If you're Adventist, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, you know, take a nap on Sabbath, but you can't watch a movie or TV or whatever. So I used to hate all of everything about that. But You know, as life has become more and more crowded with so many things, the practice of a weekly rest and doing it in community, I kind of miss that. I kind of miss that. You can, we now have our own personal Sabbaths, but not, no longer as a whole community. And I, and I miss that. I think there's a lot of value in that. And the other thing for me is pacifism, which Adventism has deep, pacifist roots. I think it strayed a long ways from that, but it was born in the during the Civil War times and to think that there was a group of people who were practicing Sabbath and who were very much against taking up arms and going to war. I get little tingles of pride in <laughs> my fourth generation claim to Adventism when I think about those two things. And have been, both of those conversations have been helpful in staying connected without being burdened by a lot of the junk. Yeah, a, a lot. I echo everything that Bonnie said. And rather than taking up too much more time, I just, you may not know already, but we do have a secondary podcast that Bonnie and I do called Haystacks, a podcast for fringe and former Seventh-day Adventists. So you can search that. We We explore some of the answers to your questions in depth in a couple of those episodes. And so hopefully you're willing to check that out. And and in addition to to uh, pacifism being born, the church being born in the throes of the Civil War, it was also an anti-racist, anti-slavery movement where the founder, Ellen White, 
and her sons, her sons in particular, were were sent deliberately to the South to be part of the the freedom movement for the enslaved. And that too, I think, uh, racism has certainly taken a hold of every institution, including Adventism. And balancing family and personal belief when much of the family is still in the Adventist fold is certainly tricky and complicated. You know, I learned to do that a little bit better each time. Still not where I'd like to be. All right. Thank you so much, Ruth, for uh, your kind words to the show and your your questions about Adventism. Oh, and hey, Ruth, if you're ever in California, uh, send us an email. We'll have haystacks and beer. All right. We have uh, another listener feedback from Hannah in Florida. Casey, I think you got this one. Hello, Irina Cast. I'm a 23-year-old Florida native. I'm a lesbian, and I am married to a beautiful, loving wife. I was raised in a Southern Baptist home with a father being a pastor. I believe my father is a good man who maybe has been indoctrinated his whole life and is afraid to confront his innate bias. I have been harmed by my relationship with my parents, but my mom has tried for the past couple years to be more accepting and to love me unconditionally. I did not come out until I was 19, and it was a total shock to my parents. I spent much of my childhood struggling with the belief that homosexuality was a sin. I did not even self-identify as queer until I was in college, because I believed my thoughts and feelings were completely normal temptations from the devil. It has been a long journey for my self-acceptance. I have received backlash from family and friends and from religious people in my very small town. There is no place near me that welcomes or accepts LGBT people in their congregations, let alone preaches that it is not a sin. I have been searching for a way to continue deepening my faith in a way that aligns with my beliefs. I most, I mostly think the United Church of Christ is where my theology belongs, but I am a huge music junkie. I would have grown up hating church and religion altogether had I not found a more accepting and youthful church in high school, still not progressive or affirming, but better and not judgmental. I played in the worship band there for about five years. I loved it. Music is where I feel connected most in my faith. Unfortunately, the United Church of Christ does not generally allow the kind of musical expression I identify with. Your podcast has given me a way to learn and grow and connect in my faith that I can supplement with music on my own. This is the closest thing I currently have to church, and it's probably the closest thing to church I would feel comfortable with at this point. I love God, and coming out has been a struggle faith-wise for me. I just wanted to thank you for this podcast, and I look forward to listening more. I'm a newbie here, but I already love and feel welcomed, and uh, and I'm ready to challenge a lot of my preconceived notions I have had that just don't quite make sense to me. Thank you. I'm just going to launch in. <laughs> uh, Hannah, beloved child of God, you are seen and you are known, and we are so grateful to walk alongside of you even in Florida. I also am a music junkie, and so I hear you. And this is a conversation that I am constantly having with my own congregation, who is UCC, um, because what they call contemporary music, I call hymns of my childhood. Because there is something 
about those songs that draw me closer to to God, to myself, to memories, uh, some memories that I find uh, fond, fondly, you know. And so I hear you when you talk about the UCC and their struggle for music. But look, uh, eventually uh, their hymns will not be ancient and our hymns will be, well, well, they're still contemporary, I guess, but whatever. I just want to say to you, to continue on and to know that you are seen and loved. And when life gets hard, hold on to that beautiful wife of yours as a reflection of the love of God that sees you and knows you. I'm sorry for for the ways in which Christianity has been so harmful. And I am thankful for your parents as they continue to navigate what it means to love you and to love God. And I'm sure that in the end of days, they will know that loving you is far more important than loving their doctrines, their polity, or the people who tell you that they should Tell them that they should uh, reject you. Just peace be with you, and thank you for listening to this podcast, and know that we're always available to you. I think Casey spoke for all of us, Hannah, and thanks for taking the time to reach out and know that um, we welcome your reach outs anytime, especially, you know, it, I think you um, you took the time to reach out, but I, I my guess is that you represent a lot of people who feel very alone in their deconstruction process and they they're not sure like who's nearby in the neighborhood that they could talk to. I think the the co-founders of the podcast had that in mind when they put this together. Those people who may not have community that, you know, during their this time of trying to sort through and figure out what they're going to keep and what they're going to let go of in regard to their faith. So, um Hannah, thank you. And we are honored that you're one of the listeners of Irenicast. Hannah, thanks so much for listening. And thanks for that reach out. It means a lot. Um, if you could see us as Casey was reading your words, we were all visibly moved. And um, I just cheer you on. Sounds like you are an amazing person, a courageous person. And you're working to be authentic in a place where that's hard. Um, but keep going. You got, you got friends in California that got your back. Right. I mean, you know, it's easy to ask yourself over and over again, is this the right thing? Am I doing the right way? And, you know, I hope this is an encouragement to you, but there is no right way. Like where you are is where you are and accept it and embrace it and love it because, you know, all, if, if you've, you know, even listened to three episodes, you know that we are all have such different paths to get to the place that we are now. And that's great because, you know, our lives are our lives. Our experiences are unique to us. And, um, you know, hopefully we're, we're like everyone said, we're so thankful to, you know, be a voice in your journey and, um, never hesitate to reach out. And, uh, it, you know, we are cheering you on for sure. Thank you so much, Anna. All right. Well, we have our final audio question for the episode from, uh, from Ashley. Hey guys, my name is Ashley. I participated in the cohort in February and I just really love you guys and everything you put out. And I just really appreciate your openness and gentleness and your inquisitiveness. Um, so yeah. Thanks for everything you do. My question has to do with the God of the Old Testament. Um, if we as, you know, flawed humans parent children and don't ever have a tendency to want to murder them as punishment, 
why did the God of the Old Testament um, decide to completely annihilate the world through a flood and ask his people group to completely annihilate other people groups down to every woman, child, and animal. And then how do you reconcile that God as loving and that God as in a Trinity with Jesus who came to preach about love and peace and forgiveness. And so, yeah, that's my question. Thanks so much. Well, Ashley, great, great question. And really good to hear your voice. Thank you for sending in the recording in a wave. I think maybe it can be simple. I mean, getting there wasn't simple for me, but here's kind of where I'm at now. So I don't reconcile it. I did try for a while, but then I learned, you know, I was shocked that I didn't know it already because I did go to college at a Christian college. But I learned that there's this thing called allegory and myth, you know, stuff that teaches deep truths but isn't necessarily literal. And every culture has a flood story of some kind. And the Noah story is a cultural flood story. I, I think the people in the Hebrew Bible are trying to navigate the world and survive, just literal survival, and credit and blame God for a lot of things that God had nothing to do with directly, other than be a presence in their lives as they moved through whatever they moved through to survive and find a place of their own. And I think divinity in the New Testament is also similar. It, it's a it's a group of people continuing to discover and learn and understand, but it's it's their story, uh, not necessarily God's story, uh, but how we're reaching for God, how humans are reaching for God and trying to understand. And as we do, we will credit and blame God for things that God really had no no part in, other than again being a constant companion, and I, I would describe it as a, a, a continual whisper towards doing things that are beautiful and edifying rather than harmful and destructive. I would, I would agree. I would just say similarly, like um, when I look at the Bible, I don't take it literally. I take it seriously. And what I'm seriously looking at as a people who, who continue to have to evolve, they begin to realize that their understanding of God and the world was limited. And through their own experiences, they grew in knowledge and wisdom. When I come to Scripture, I, I come looking for those places where, well, maybe we thought this before, but we don't see it that way now. And we finally arrive at, a, at Jesus, who, who is saying, you know, a lot of people say, well, the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the God of the New Testament and all this stuff. Um, but I think what Jesus is saying is, no, you're just missing the point. The basis of what we of of why we reside in the universe is because of love, and that's all we're trying to get back to. But in the meantime, we screw things up by our own selfish ways and our own narrow uh, sightedness in terms of how we understand the world. And so that's how I would respond to some of that. I I think those are such good questions, you know. Like, and, and yeah, right. If if we as parents who can get really ticked off at our kids sometimes don't want to murder them, then, you know, what's up with God who's fine with just wiping out people? You know, it might be easy for us as Christians to just claim Jesus, but then you've got the book of Revelation 
And once again, we have now Jesus, who is this conqueror warrior who's going to come to the world and destroy the entire world. So we don't, you know, I don't know if there's the Old Testament, New Testament, both have a lot of violent language in them. And both seem to describe a vindictive, punishing God who wants to control certain groups of people. So we have to like, yeah, we have to think about how are we going to read the Bible? What are we going to do with the Bible? And I I mean, for me in my journey, that was for sure one of the hardest and first questions and then hardest ones to work through because of the way I had been taught to have the answers and certainty around the Bible. Ugh, I love your questions. I love your questions. And I, I, I hope that in some form in the future, we dive more deeply into them. Yeah, we've definitely talked about doing an episode on the Bible. We do have several episodes. In fact, we have like a three-episode series back when it was myself, Alan, and Mona. I'll put the links to that in case you're interested. But we've also done an episode recently where we did Cosmology and God. And I think that we also take into account like our political language and our understanding of the universe affects the language and the way that we talk about the divine. And I think that that's also part of it when we, when we try to compare and contrast the Hebrew scriptures to New Testament, you know, understanding changed, politics changed, people changed, circumstances changed. And that changes the way that we talk about God. It changes the metaphors. It changes all the stuff that's connected with that and our perspective of, you know, who God is when we're a people who are under oppression our language for God is different than when we're people who are in charge and that you see that flux happen throughout the Hebrew scripture. And I think that also goes with the language that they have for God. So we'll include the links to some of those episodes in case you're interested. But uh, I know we've talked about readdressing the Bible with, with this, you know, uh, cast or this host group. Um, so yeah, but great question. Thank you so much for the question and for, you know, being involved in, our, our recent intersections cohort, which, yeah. you know, more to come on that for sure. Yeah. Um, we have another listener email from uh, Tom from Washington. He says, Tom here from Eastern Washington State. Congratulations on your 200th Irenicast episode. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Your podcast is aptly named as it helped me to crystallize a piece that has gradually kicked in as my fourth generation SDA upbringing recedes into the background. Another SDA <laughs> member. Yay. We're, we're being invaded. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of us. Right. Um, and not a lot of representation in the mm-hmm. progressive Christian mm-hmm. space. So that's, yep. you're, you're creating a niche for us. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, uh, I respect the experience that all of you have shared from your individual journeys. It would appear that you each had to marshal significant courage and fortitude. By contrast, my journey was nuanced and incremental. My traumas occurred early, early in life as I obsessively embraced my religion against a terrifying apocalyptic backdrop. As an adult, maybe I was worn down to the point where I could drift along, still immersed in the culture, but insulated from uncomfortable situations through loose affiliation with a large university church. A major milestone occurred when the death of an alcoholic wife compelled me to leave a familiar white-collar world to make like Moses and herd sheep. For me, this involved interstate trucking, and I've been at it for 21 years. I found you through a chance encounter with Haystacks last summer. I devoured multiple episodes as I did painting prep on a house, and I shared with my wife, Susan, in a little town east of Walla Walla. 
I began listening to Iranicast in time to catch the Deconstruction Reconstruction series, which was meaningful to me. Your efforts have provided a dimension of community that I had not experienced, and I formed an affection for each one of you. I appreciate the intersection sessions that culminated last Thursday. I continue to give significant thought to the podcast that dealt with generational matters. Still ringing in my ears is Rajiv's admonition about checking oneself about any resentments. A while back, while running down the road, I listened to the audio version of Bruce Bruce Cannon Gibney's book, A Generation of Psychopaths. How sociopaths. So <laughs> a, <laughs> it's the same thing. a generation of sociopaths, sorry. Uh, how the baby boomers betrayed America. I have to admit, on a feeling level, I alternate I was alternately pissed off by and begrudgingly in agreement with his assertions. I hope the future podcasts pick up this thread in an effort to explore what constitutes moral behavior and solidarity among the generations in this decaying world. Later this spring, I plan to decelerate and limit my work life to occasional limited stints. I'm planning to reconnect with some friends and extended family members in various parts of the country, including California. I hope to have an opportunity to meet face-to-face with some or all of you. Yay, Tom. We eager, I eagerly await your visit to California. It would be great to to meet you in person, like in the flesh rather than virtually. And thank you for your thoughtful your thoughtful email submission. There's a lot in there. Um, much of what you you touch on are things that we definitely touch on in different places. Thank you for taking taking the courageous step to to go out and be like Moses and tend sheep and take time to process. I think that is a beautiful uh, a beautiful path that some of us um, are afraid of. Quite frankly. We'd rather stay busy and not actually go deep. And you've gone deep and um, you're a wise person. And I look forward to more conversation with you in the future. Yeah, always great to hear from a fellow ex or, or recovering STA. <laughs> I don't know if, you are, if you're ever ex. I always say it's an ethnicity, especially if you're fourth generation. So it'll be nice to meet up with you, Tom, when you're in the area. Yeah, thank you so much, Tom, for your feedback and uh, blessings on your continued journey. 100%. Uh, thank you, Tom. You know, speaking of that Generations episode, I know that that, you know, that, was, a, that was a good episode for us. And I know that we, um, you know, I had a conversation recently with someone about that particular episode and, you know, coming off a little harsh on the boomer generation. And I think that there's validity to that. And I think that, you know, having a place where we can you know, find more solidarity among the generations is is important, especially with the language that we have uh, out there and, you know, the disparaging remarks that every generation has about one another. I think that's 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 good. And to, I'm, I'm actually going to pick up this book. I I'm, <laughs> I wrote it yeah. down, so I'm going yeah. to check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes if anyone else is yeah, interested and wants great. to check out this book. Um, but yeah, I think it's important for us to have perspective on the past, present, and future to kind of formulate our thoughts and ideas. So again, thank you for joining us on this journey, Tom. We really appreciate your feedback and uh, appreciate you being a part of Intersections. Again, this is a common theme, which again, we have uh, more to come for that. So we got some uh, listener feedback from an an anonymous listener. And uh, Rajiv, I think you got that. Hello. I am wondering if you've ever discussed the topic of divorce from a biblical perspective. I'm fairly new to your podcast around episode 30-ish or so, 
although I've listened to a few in the 50s that piqued my interest, and I really resonate with a lot of what you have been saying. Something I'm still very unclear about, though, is when is it appropriate to seek divorce in a marriage? My understanding is that being a divorcee would basically make me an adulteress if I was ever to get married again or date, etc., and that doesn't sit well with me. However, what if a person is in a toxic and borderline abusive marriage and reconciliation is not happening despite trying for years through intensive therapy? I think it's worse for everyone involved and the kids, too, for a marriage like that to continue. But I don't think it's fair for that person to never be able to marry again without being, quote, an adulterer. Discussion about how to deal with family conflict, i.e. the in-laws, if such a decision was made, would be helpful, particularly if the family comes from a very evangelistic background. With all of that in mind, I would love some insight on the topic of coming out within marriage and dealing with that. A typical example would be if a cis woman in a hetero marriage discovered she was gay after several years of marriage and wanted to divorce because she's not happy romantically or sexually. What are the biblical implications of that? When I imagine a a scenario like that, it's hard to get away from the feeling of sin and earthly desires and all those phrases I'm used to from the evangelical influence of my faith journey. You almost could do an entire series on marriage and divorce. You could discuss abuse, sexuality, family dynamics within the family unit, and with respect to the in-laws. Anyway, I digress. Thank you. Thank you kindly, and I love what you are all doing. So I'm going to jump right in here. And (laughs) anybody who says they want biblical marriage doesn't know what biblical marriage is. That's right. Because essentially it is literal ownership of women. Men own women in biblical marriage. And there is no such thing in the Bible as a loving monogamous relationship where there are two people equally partnered, make mutual decisions, have shared power. That doesn't exist in the Bible. You know, the stuff around divorce, et cetera, the things that you're talking about, those are serious issues must be addressed, which you are addressing. And in my opinion, as a Christian and as somebody who has studied the Bible extensively on this topic, you would be well within your rights to get a divorce and pursue other relationships as a whole human being, not as an adulteress or committing any sort of betrayal whatsoever. I'll let others jump in because I'm I'm about to get fired up. Do it. Get fired <laughs> up. I didn't realize how reading these would just fire me up. I'm like, my energy is really intense right now. Look, I, my feeling is the same as Rajiv's. Like, uh, anybody who says that they want a biblical marriage is someone who is a narcissist and who wants to have full control over their wives, basically. Let's be honest. Cause I rarely hear women say, I want a biblical marriage, honey. That's rarely where I hear it coming from. Uh, so for me, I feel like biblical marriage is not what they're looking for. They're looking for power and control. As I'm reading this, I'm, I'm just, 
feeling this energy around, you know, coming out and worldly desires and all of this. And the truth is, is that as Christians, what we value is the wholeness of life. You've heard me say this on the podcast before, like our our abundant living is what Jesus uh, wants for us, desires for us. And that does not happen when you are closeted and living in a sexless, uh, um, abusive relationship. That's not what Jesus wants for you. And so um, I'd say pack your bags, honey, and get out um, because uh, there's a whole life waiting for you where you are free, happy, and whole. Yeah, I I second all of those comments. Um, of course, you know, there, there are so many implications and complications around relationships always. And when children are involved, that adds dimensions and layers of complications as well. Um, but, you know, the f- my favorite part of your your remarks, listener, is where you sa- said, that doesn't sit well with me. I would say that's where your wisdom comes mm-hmm. from. That's where your information comes from that. when you are deciding how to navigate going forward. Um, in those places where it just doesn't sit well with you, in the way that you're being treated, talked to, then it, it shouldn't sit well with you. That's okay to know that it doesn't sit well with you and that you're going to find another way. So we just affirm that. And and maybe at some point we can go a little more deeply into what the Bible says about marriage, because that can be really useful too when you're in conversation, when you find out that what the Bible actually says about marriage is it's pretty awful, actually. So... Um, blessings on this continued journey. And um, I'm sure there will be tears and struggle ahead. And just know that you've got, you've got four people here in California who are cheering you on. Yeah. Um, you know, using the word biblically in the beginning and, you know, we we're running into kind of a common theme with some of these questions and, and not don't allow that to be, stumbling block as hard as that is because i think we all know you know that's always in the back of our mind and you know am i following what i'm supposed to be doing and all that kind of stuff but i mean bonnie hit it the nail on the head you know it doesn't sit right with you i think that was kind of the the first feeling we all had in our journeys was like this this isn't right let me let me look into that follow that that curiosity follow that um desire for for more knowledge and uh and you know and we we hear you and we we empathize how difficult and complicated these things are because you're not just in entering a relationship with that person you're entering into relationship with their family and their friends like you have all these enmeshed and intersectional relationships that are affected when we go through those things and we know that it's not not easy, but we also understand that sometimes it is very necessary, especially if there's even a hint of abuse or where your consent or anyone's consent is being violated. And, and, you know, even the biblical idea of marriage changed so many times within the Bible itself. Like, because, you know, like we said, in, in some answering some of the other questions, it's, a, it's a cultural document. It's a cultural snapshot on how people viewed the world and God. And it's not meant to, be static. It's not meant to be something that we adopt. Uh, it's something that changes and evolves. And I think that, you know, at least our, our, our Hebrew ancestors understood that they were always in debate about their own, their own scriptures and, and getting, you know, answer, asking those questions. And, and it, it was more pliable than we, or than evangelicalism has made it out to be. Yeah. And just that word adulterer, 
<laughs> that's very triggering. Um, so I just want to say that, you know, the root of that is about being unfaithful. And the one to whom you must be faithful first is yourself. Come on. So um, there's no need to claim that label ever. You know, your job is to be faithful to yourself first. 100%. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And uh, our final piece of listener feedback is from uh, Jennifer. Uh, Bonnie got this one. Yes. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer says, your conversations fill my head and my soul with what I long for in my day-to-day life. I get it from time to time from friends and family, and it leaves me wanting more. Thank you for providing me your nourishment, allowing my friends and family a chance to talk about house renovations or the latest sale at Walmart. It's surprising to me that not everyone wants to or can talk incessantly about theology. Keep talking and exploring. I'm listening. I really, really missed you when you were gone. Thank you, Jennifer, so much for that. Just ah, the affirmation and encouragement, it means a lot to us. Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. We're, we're, we like to talk, talk about theology, too, obviously. Thanks for being a compadre in that. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. And, you know, I after we're at the end, right? And one of the things that I'll just say at the end here is that hearing all of you talk and hearing the questions that have been asked today really makes what we're doing here kind of dangerous. Um, dangerous for people who are not ready to ask these questions and scary um, for any listener who go- repeats what we're saying into the world, right? And so I just want to say thank you not only for listening, but for holding these ideas with us and for trusting yourselves. Like if you have arrived here, it's sort of like TikTok. Do any of you have TikTok? Okay. <laughs> well, typically, on t- and there's there's this moment as you're scrolling through TikTok that it says, if the algorithm has brought you here, I imagine dot, 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 right? You have these traits. And so if you have found yourself listening to us for more than one episode, I imagine you are someone who who really is leaning into trusting themselves more and rejecting Christian values that that are not your own and that and that are toxic and harmful. And so um I'm thankful to all of our listeners uh, for your feedback and also for just holding these conversations with us because they do matter and you matter. Right. And you know it's easy for us to get I mean we're literally sitting around a dining room table right now you know and and feeling like this conversation is here and we put it out there and when we hear feedback we we're reminded no this is this is out there like people are listening and and we've heard from some of you feeling like you're also sitting at a dining room table in fact someone yeah, right now listening right. to my voice is sitting at a dining room table with a cup of coffee and you know it's like you're sitting with us and when we hear these things it's so encouraging to know oh yeah we really are starting a conversation and we do want to keep it going and we do want to hear from you all on a regular basis and you know we would really like to make a regular plea for questions and maybe you know every you know twice a year or whatever you know having more episodes like this where we we address you know individual questions from the you know from the serious to the mundane you know like 
I, I mean, some of you probably don't want to ask us about our pizza preference. Um, I was because, just about to bring that up <laughs> because that you know you've already heard incessantly enough about all How that. Wrong, Jeff. Is. That's what we heard. <laughs> but you know, we 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 want to continue these conversations and and you know feel as though you're in the cast. So anytime, send us a question, send us audio. We'll put it in. We we we'll do it. Um, and uh, we just we're thankful for that. And and Jennifer, just to hear like. It's it's funny, but the, when you said "I miss you while you were gone," like that was at least for me, it was really impactful because it's like, oh yeah, like we took a break and like people actually missed us because we all still saw each other. You know, we were still talking and and having conversations and 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 doing some of that stuff. And uh, it's really, I mean, it, it's humbling. It's uh, I almost feel I don't know guilty. I don't know if guilty is the right word, but it's just it's just so it's just a strange feeling that we're yeah. we're always constantly adjusting to. And and Jennifer and everybody else, you don't have to wait for episode four hundred to send us an email. We would love to be in touch, so please do that. And I I'm not saying that lightly. We we read all the emails that come through. Now, maybe not right away, but we do get to them all. We do. We're all. I, I, this is a good transition point, you know, to, to kind of talk about, you know, a little bit, pull back the curtain and, and behind the scenes is that we do read your emails. We're slow to get to them sometimes for a variety of different reasons. We don't have a, a team of editors. We don't have a, a team of administrators that, you know, all this kind of stuff. We we put this together in between uh, all of our, our day jobs and families and everything that goes into that. So uh, we're slow sometimes, but we're 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 reliable. We're the, the the tortoise in the race, I guess. But you know, we we have a lot of ambitions for what we'd like to see this show and and the, all the work connected to it happen. And you know, one of the large things that obviously is the catalyst for this current cast is intersections. And we recently, you know, you heard us talking about it at the beginning of every show. We recently had a great group of, of people join our latest cohort of intersections, and that's something we definitely want to keep going. But, uh, you know, our, our last break from the show was, you know, triggered by obviously the pandemic, but transition and all of our lives that we thought was over. <laughs> and then <laughs> another wave of, of transition hit us again. So, you know, kind of before we talk into some of the stuff we want to do, we are definitely going to be taking another break. So this is our last episode, but only for two months. So we're not we're not away for that. The first Tuesday in July, we'll be back with a fresh brand new episode. And then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. We'll have updates of where we're going. But part of that reason, part of that break is that we want to uh, plan the next intersections. And we have some, and we've mentioned this several times before, but we really are trying to discern and process and journey with our own, you know, bandwidth and timetables and what we can handle and can't handle. And, uh, you know, we want to do classes. We want to do and go into depth on a lot of these things that, that you all are asking about in these episodes. And, you know, it takes, it takes time. And, you know, right now two half of half of the, the, the half of the hosts are ministers and they are, you know, that's a heavy burden to hold. Losing their shit. And, <laughs> and yeah, well, that's just, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm losing my shit and, and a teacher. So that's like a whole thing too. So I, I want to jump in there and Jeff, you may be intending to get, to get to this, but I cannot stress to you enough to get signed up for our email list because that is how you will stay current. 
regardless of where you are on the listening schedule, as far as which episode, you know, sometimes you're going to hear announcements that are a year old. Our emails are current and will keep you up to date with intersections. We're also contemplating an intersections part two and other things that Jeff is, is hinting at. So that's the way to be in the know right in the moment when you need to know. Right. And especially with the SDA podcast, Hey Stacks, right? You guys will be doing some of that. And hopefully in the next month and a half or so, I'll be launching my podcast, the Queerly Faithful Podcast, um, which will be exciting and super fun and gay. Uh, and <laughs> so, I mean, there are a lot of big things that are coming up. And I think the best way, like you're saying, Rajiv, is to stay in contact with us is through social media and our newsletter. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely the newsletter. And, uh, you know, social media, we're, 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 we're hit and miss on. Yeah, you, you, you can come at us on social media. We're not always great about posting. Yeah. I think Rajiv should start a TikTok. That's what I think. It would just be me staring angrily into my phone. <laughs> if you found this algorithm. Yeah, we, we definitely aren't the, the influencer type. You know, we're not involved in these deep, long conversations and debates it, online. Is there an angry Xer on TikTok Oh, yet? yeah, there is. There's so, sure. so that, many My them. niche is taken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, all, all that being said, uh, we're, we're coming back in July, but we're, we're, we're going to kind of regroup a little bit you know, talk about what, what we can handle. Cause we want to make sure that this is sustainable for, for us so that it can be sustainable for those of you that are listening. And we are just in awe of how these simple conversations that we are having, or at least in the moment feel simple to us have, are having such profound impact and, and ripples in, in the lives of those of you that are listening. So please don't be quiet. We want to hear from you. We literally do. We don't, it's not just a catchphrase to join the conversation is that we really, uh, it it, it kind of ignites something in us and that it also gives us direction for how we craft our conversations going forward and how we bring people in. So we do have stuff planned. Some of it, we know for sure, intersections, we want to do classes, we want to get that going. Some of it we're playing with, we're not sure, we have some ideas that we, we need to, to flesh out on how we can create more of a conversation and community with those of you that are listening. So stay tuned, get on our email list, and that'll do it for us uh, for a couple months. We're coming back first Tuesday of July. So if you enjoy Irenicast and you would like to join the work that we are doing here, please consider donating to our PayPal link at irenicast.com slash PayPal. Uh, you know, like we said, we're committed to keeping the show for free and we're committed to keeping it moving, uh, but there are costs involved, you know, and, and your financial support definitely helps. It's irenicast.com slash PayPal. You can do a one-time payment. You can, you know, do a, an ongoing thing. Uh, and we are a nonprofit organization. So your donations are tax deductible. Uh, you can also support the show by simply following on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. And if it allows it, leave a rating on your review. And if you leave a review, we'll read it on air. And, and then obviously you can see from this, send us an email, send us an audio question, send us anything. And, you know, we want to get your voice on the show as well. So we're always open to that. And as we kind of, hopefully as we see that happen more and everyone, all of you get in the habit of, you know, talking to us via those, those channels, we, we can do this more regularly because we really enjoyed it. And, uh, we do want everyone to feel a part of what we're doing. So for this week, I'm Jeff. I'm Bonnie. I'm Casey. And with much love and appreciation, this is Rajiv. Thanks for joining the conversation. <laughs> <laughs>